Welcome to the Innovative Leader Podcast with Christy Geiger, Master Certified Coach, and David Phillips, Educator, Analyst, and Consultant. Our mission is to equip, inspire, and transform how we lead in life and work. In today's rapidly evolving world, raising the level of leadership is more important than ever before. Weekly topics support you to navigate the changing tide of business and leadership. Here are your hosts, Christy and David. Hello, folks. Hope you're doing well. This is David and Christy back for another episode of the Innovative Leader Podcast. Uh, Christy, I hope you had a good week. I did. Did you? Uh, yeah, it's been a busy week. Uh, <laughs> and glad that it is Friday afternoon. Uh, so, I agree. Uh, I'm with you. <laughs> looking forward to the weekend. <laughs> um, so today, uh, we're going to kind of touch on a, a topic that it's been around for a while. Um, and you've probably done a, a, a good bit of reading on, and, and we've talked about it several times. Um, we're going to want to go a little bit more in depth in it, and, and that's the idea of emotional intelligence. We're gonna, but we're going to use it from the uh, the framework of the um, EQI 2.0 model, uh, which is a little bit different than than Daniel Goldman's um, model, and uh, because uh, one of the things this model does is it it, it actually includes more than just emotions and, and Goldman's does as well, but uh, we're going to talk about its, uh, its application to leadership today and, um, and some of the things that we can uh, work on, uh, think about, and uh, even some of the misconceptions uh, about emotional intelligence in uh, particularly in, in, in regards to leadership. So, um, uh, and, and, uh, just as a congratulations, Christy got uh, EQI 2.0 certified, so she is a certified emotional intelligence uh, person. Yay, all good. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, so um, this has been on her mind for a little while. Um, but you know, so when we when we think about emotional intelligence, and you throw that term out there, um, people from different uh, generations, different leadership frameworks. Will uh, will often downplay its significance, um, if not uh, outright dismiss it, because it's all about emotions, and uh, emotions are such a soft skill that in some frameworks uh, that doesn't even count as being something real, uh, especially in in some in some instances, uh, particularly in uh, in gender studies, uh, not to get liberal or anything like that, but. But uh, you know, women in the workplace are supposed to withhold their emotions. Um, men shouldn't have emotions in some frameworks, some work areas. Uh, uh, and so, uh, when you start talking about emotions, then he gets, oh God, I got to deal with emotions again. Um, you know, and and so, uh, and it and it and it, four point leadership is is much more concerned with that. Um, because it, it's a recognition of the uh, of the totality of the person uh, mm -hmm. of the people who who uh, are working with you and working for you and all that makes them a total person and emotions are such a huge part of our life in fact um, when I did my doctoral work uh, I looked specifically at emotions and uh, in neuroscience uh, back in 2006 my goodness that seems like forever ago uh, there weren't a lot, uh, wasn't a lot on this topic at that point, 
Um, you know, emotions are, are, are what primarily drives our decision-making. Uh, we like to think we're logical. We like to think we're rational. Um, we like to, some people will even say men are rational, women are emotional, uh, men are logical, women are emotional. That's just a bunch of horse hockey. Um, it, it is, uh, we, we are all driven by our emotions. What, uh, what we decide is what we, the decisions we make are largely a reflection of the emotions that we're feeling at various times um, in, in our lives and in various states in our lives. So, so emotions, um, uh, having emotional intelligence is something that's very important for leadership simply because uh, it embraces the totality of the whole person and it's not something to be dismissed. So, um, so Christy, let's talk a little bit about um, that piece, about some of the misconceptions about um, uh, emotional intelligence. Uh, what do you see are some of the major misconceptions uh, that uh, leadership 2.0, 3.0 uh, have in terms of uh, the value of emotional intelligence, what it is, and uh, how it's involved in, in leadership. Yeah, you said a ton of stuff in there that's really good. And that I was like, wait, wait, yes, that. Uh, so yeah, there's so much in there. So one, with the, you're probably gonna have to repeat your question. So hold that. Okay. Because there's so many things that you said that I wanna highlight and go back on. Because with, like you were saying, with the emotions and the importance of them, and tying it into neuroscience. And it is interesting that you did your PhD in 06, because when we think about 2006, it wasn't really that long ago. Like, it, you know, when you think about it, it doesn't feel that long ago, right. but the amount of study, and even when we look at when emotional intelligence came out and whatever that word has been around, I believe it's back in the eighties or nineties. Yeah, I think Goldman's um, book was 88. Yeah, so it's been around a while. Um, I was just trying to reference. And then even in this course that I just took, and I took this course with a company called OKA, which is a certifying company for the, main, the, the producer, the publisher of this assessment, which is MHS. And MHS is the publisher of the assessment. And then EQI 2.0 is a widely used assessment. It's in numerous languages and many different coaches and consultants use it and different schools certify on it and whatnot. But when you take this assessment uh, in this course, they were talking about how really emotional intelligence can go back to Thomas Jefferson or Benjamin Franklin. And they were talking about Thomas Jefferson had um, used a word to describe the feeling of elation is when you do something good for somebody else is the feeling of elation. Hmm. And so feelings have been noticed and recognized. And I was telling you before I had mentioned to my mom that I had finished the certification, I had called her after the certification and she had made some comment, um, you know, like, oh, what did you learn about emotions? And because it can seem like such a fluffy topic that doesn't really have a lot of muscle or meat to it. And that it's just a matter of dealing with yourself. But going back to another thing that you were saying around how it does drive our behaviors and how it drives our decisions. And really we 
sometimes live in this disconnected perspective that we are making all of our decisions from our logical mind, but really from our logical mind. And that's where we, we talk frequently about our limbic system and our frontal lobe. And those decisions are more coming from your frontal lobe, but so much in our limbic system, which is connected to our subconscious. And what's the quote? Like, I can't remember 80%, 90%. uh, We can Google it. It's, it's very common. Uh, percent of our decisions come from our subconscious mind is like 80 or 90% of our thinking. It's very high of the amount that comes from our subconscious mind, which means that's really coming through our limbic system, which is a very emotional system. Right. So often when we are behaving professionally and personally, we may have an intention. Have you ever heard someone go, oh, that wasn't my intention. And so people often feel defensive or frustrated when they're held accountable for something that wasn't their intention, even though it didn't go the way they thought it should. Mike and I have a common, I get very triggered by that because he'll go, well, I intended to stop and get you flowers, but I just didn't have time. I'm like, don't tell me because if you didn't do it, it doesn't matter. There's no credit for an intention. And that may sound really mean, but there's just, there's intentions and then there's what we actually do. And what's interesting with emotional intelligence is it reinforces the whole thing around. It's not about your intention. It's not that it doesn't matter, but in a way it doesn't matter. Your emotional intelligence in a way is a function of how you show up and whether you're effective or not in how you're showing up. And so when we get down to it, fundamentally, if we want to improve our effectiveness in the way we show up, one of the core foundational ways to do that is through your emotional intelligence. And really for many years, we haven't acknowledged that. And a lot of our training in our 2.0 era is more about time management, goal setting, um, functional, tactical skills of how do you do, how do you project management? How do you do something tactically? And that is more where the 2.0 training tended to focus. And then when we started to shift into 3.0, there was greater recognition of mindset and what's happening in our mind. And then you see people like Carol Dweck coming forward with growth mindset and fixed mindset and things like that, or even just the psychology of the mind and subconscious. But a lot of those people were really, I don't want to say dismissed, but honestly, you know, in the thick of business, there wasn't an executive sitting around the table being like, let's talk about mindset. Now they're talking about, let's talk about performance. Let's talk about getting things done. And if you're not getting things done, you can see the door and don't let it hit you on the way out. There was a very high production culture that was very important. And with emotional intelligence and with our our shift, go ahead. Is there a book you're going to grab? Yeah, I was. It. I've got mindset <laughs> here. I was just curious to see when it actually came out because I feel um, like Carol Dweck might have been in the eighties too. Two thousand six is when mindset came out. Oh, Carol Dweck's mindset. Yep. Is oh six? Is oh six? And magic year for today, right? That's right. <laughs> No, I was just thinking about that because uh, I think you're right. I mean, we, I mean, even, even as I was doing my doctoral work in, in, in this area, this, that, that framework was never mentioned. I mean, I didn't, 
that was never on my radar until five years ago, something mm-hmm. like that. And, and it kind of got popular, popularized, um, which puts it, what, a 10 year, maybe even 10 years before it, it really kind of became popular. Right. Right. Yeah, I'm just looking her up real quick. So Carol Dweck was born in 46. Um, and I'm trying to see when growth mindset, anyhow, we can loop back and add it. But but the point is, is these things feel like they've been around for a long time and they really have not. So right. when we look at our 3.0 era, sometimes I think about that kind of really the 90s, 2000 the last 20 years. And as we've discussed in past podcasts, industry 4.0 is right now. And some big organizations will say we're not quite into industry 4.0. And some will say that we are. So we're on the tipping point of this new industry. And what's really important are this new era. And what's so important is in this new era, emotional intelligence becomes, so when we look at the scale of here's productivity and performance, Here's emotional intelligence, head, heart, whatever. Over here, this was up and this was down. 3.0 is as we're moving. 4.0, this is up, this is down. And it doesn't mean that productivity doesn't matter, but productivity will not matter if the heart is not there. This will trump this, or this will um, be more important than this, right? Right. And so- the call for leaders, and even when we think about AI and robots, what is it? This can be pre- replaced by robots and AI. This cannot. So when you think about what human skill do you need to develop as a leader that is not replaceable and is more valuable because it can't be done by a robot. So it's not that you're operating in fear just to not be replaced by a robot but you are operating in a way that the things that you're developing and working on are core competencies that allow you to function better for yourself and for others in the world. And that's going to be focusing on emotional intelligence. And so in 2.0, and so I guess that goes to your first point, like that, how was the emotional intelligence seen in the past is I feel like it was emotions. And first of all, we culturally kind of dismissed emotions emotions don't really belong in the workplace or even for human beings, it was something to be managed, not something to be leveraged. And if your emotions, heaven forbid, were getting in the way, that was a problem. So yes, emotional intelligence even then, but it was more emotional suppression rather than growing your emotional intelligence. You were just bad if you weren't able to do it really well. And then to your point too, about the man, woman, the male, female thing, it's super fascinating because one of, one of the core in this EQI 2.0 model, one of the subsets is assertiveness, which is a key one, right? Women being assertive are looked at as witchy, so to speak. Right. Right. And men being assertive is like, oh, that's a leader. That's a leader. That's a good leader, but not not a woman. And yet we look at men and women in the workplace doing the same position. And there is that double standard. 
Now, what's interesting in the training that I thought was really useful and good is across the subset of all these assessments that have been given, men and women do not have different capacities for emotional intelligence. So scientifically, they'll talk if you have a certain percent consistently greater in a population group, um, then they would say that does. So there's five of the attributes that men tend to be 1.1 higher and five that women tend to be 0.1 higher, but not, that's not a, that's not even a scientific variable big enough to be worth noting what it is, right? right? Statistically um, insignificant. Exactly. And so really men and women have the same capacity to be emotionally intelligent. Now, might a man have to work a little harder at empathy at times? Yes, but that's really more of a stereotype because again, like you just said, statistically, it doesn't matter. So that's more of our stereotypes and our projections that actually set people up for failure. So when that woman walks in as a leader and she's assertive, was she assertive and she was failing in emotional intelligence in the way she asserted herself? or culturally that was unacceptable. And when the man walks in and he's over assertive, was he really emotionally intelligent or was he excessively operating in that skill set that was actually a detriment? And so understanding this range for emotional intelligence and what does leadership look like and why do we need it is super fascinating. Yeah, you know, a uh, couple of things on that. So. Um, I Listen, it was either Seth Godin or Freakonomics Radio podcast a, a few years ago, um, and um, they did some research on men and women in leadership, and at, as particularly at the, the CXO level, mm -hmm. uh, and they found that that women um, women were better leaders, particularly in times of um, uh, not not. So they, what was it? They, they were better leaders, uh, but men were viewed as better leaders when uh, crisis came. Mm -hmm. So, so um, it, maybe it was the assertiveness, you know, that stereotypical assertiveness that that uh, men have. Um, but it was, you know, but you know, to your point. Um, it's really in how uh, how that leader uses their emotional intelligence. Their uses their emotions. You can be uh, emotionally assertive and be a rear end. Mm -hmm. uh, right. You can be um, you can be um, emotionally passive and be a rear end. It, I mean, it doesn't matter. Um, right. Um, and so, men need to understand. Um, uh, men need we not we need not have those those stereotypes because we all function out of our emotions and um and, and to your point uh it's just statistically insignificant um and and so we all have to be um we have to be self-aware and uh self self-prepared uh and and understand how that affects um other people uh, how the the use of our emotions affects other people uh, I, I do think it's odd that so much of this is, is almost, um, it, it is so recent. Uh, I think we're, we're still trying to figure a lot of this out as well. 
Mm-hmm. And, uh, and to simply say that emotional intelligence is all about a man- managing emotions is, um, is, is like um, saying a Lamborghini is just a car. Right. Uh, it is, it is, it is, um, you just don't do that because uh, yeah, it's so much, much more, more complex. Yeah. There's so much more to it. And so, you know, that's, that's why this is, I think is, is such a great topic. Um, so when we, you know, as we've kind of talked about some of those misconceptions and some of those issues, uh, let's move into, um, you know, what, what, how we want to frame the, uh, emotional intelligence and, and, uh, and, and we're, we're not going to really explain the, the EQI2 model, but I think, um, I think it's general direction is, um, something worth at least mentioning or looking at, uh, if you'll, um, appease uh, me on that for a moment, that it, that it, it kind of moves from social, uh, emotional and social functioning through performance to well-being, that, that all of those are part of uh, what emotional intelligence is. And, and, and I kind of, the, the performance part was, was intriguing to me because um, it, it flows out of this idea, uh, at least kind of the way I read it and, and feel free to correct me since um, I haven't spent a lot of time with it, but, but the, the performance part is you're going to, you as a leader or you as an employee are gonna perform much better when the totality of who you are is taken into consideration rather than just your task list. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, if, you know, in, in there's, the studies are all over the place. If you're appreciated, if you're um, affirmed, if you're, uh, if, if you're understood, if, if, you know, all of those things increase uh, your performance. And, and we're not just talking about productivity here. We're talking about the totality of your importance. Um, mm-hmm. Your emotional well, you know, your well-being is is impacted uh, or impacts how you perform, uh, mm-hmm. and so uh, to me that was that was kind of a, a an interesting ex, uh, an interesting aspect of of uh, this model. Uh, it, so it's it you know again it's not just about emotions; it's about the totality of the person. And particularly in the workplace, the totality of who they are and how they perform, and how they, um, you know, how how they get their job done, and 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 the uh, the the impact of emotions in all of that. that I just Absolutely. said a lot, and I'm not sure that I said much. So, no, no, I think that's good. Um, so there's a definition. So. This model, the 2.0 model that I was certified in, which I think is really great. I love how it breaks it down into these 15 subsets. And because sometimes you'll take, you know, there's the Travis Bradbury book, Emotional Intelligence 2.0. Now I've used that book for many years and I like that assessment in there. It's a good book, like Strengths Finder. You buy your book, there's a code, you take the assessment and there you go. However, in coaching with clients, people will take that assessment at the end of it. We're like, okay, so your social awareness is a little off. Uh, What are you going to do about that? I don't know. Like, you know, I do know, but I don't know. Right. Or in the book, it gives you an idea, but it doesn't give you an idea. What do you really do about that? What are you really trying to develop in order to do that better is a little 
I think cryptic. And so what I like about this model, so the guy who developed this is Baron, uh, B-A-R-O-N, uh, Baron, I guess is his name. Um, and this model came out in 2005, but he had this quote about emotional intelligence. And he said, emotional social intelligence is a cross-section of interrelated emotional and social competencies. So taking our emotional and social, which is the same that really Daniel Goldman has talked about for a long time, those four quadrants, one is emotional or one is personal and one is social. So emotional and social competencies, skills, and facilitators that determine how effectively we understand and express ourselves and understand and relate with them and cope with daily demands. So there's this way that even from the beginning, it was about ourselves and others. But what I like about this quote is bringing in, it is a skill, it's a social skill, it's a social competency. It's not just about you and your own little head. Um, And it's how you're coping and dealing with daily demands, which now interloops this hot topic of magic words since COVID resilience. Right. And resilience is a hyper talked about concept right now because people are kind of struggling with resilience. And we are recognizing that with the speed of change and how quickly things are changing, we can't keep up. And like we've talked about also in the past with our, you know, that our bodies need to go to the gym to work out. Our minds need mindfulness in order to regenerate and rejuvenate. We now need to pay more attention to emotional intelligence because in order to cope with daily demands, our personal wellness and resilience is directly connected to our emotional intelligence. Mm. Yeah. And so it's not, and not that you were saying this, but that old concept, right? That it's just our emotions. It's not just our emotions because really our emotions are, it's almost like if you have a virus on your computer, it's running under everything and it's affecting everything. So your emotions are running under everything that affect the way we process, perceive, see, respond and interact with the world, which then create its own level of ripple effects, which is why I love the end of that is our ability to relate with others and cope with daily demands. And so how are we coping is our resilience, our wellness, our happiness is all really connected with what? Your emotional intelligence. And so when people don't feel happy, it's not about more stuff. As we know, that was kind of a 2.0 era. And then in 3.0, people have been growing through them. They're like, no, no, it's about meaning and purpose and Simon Sinek, infinite game and whatever. So, so that message was coming out and moving in again, teeter-totter moving. So now in this 4.0 era, we know it is about meaning and significance, but when we're talking about meaning and significance, how do you find that? How do you know what your passion is? How do you know what your purpose is? How do you find that? It's all interconnected with our emotional intelligence, not just how smart you are emotionally, but how you essentially manage yourself. Right. Is fascinating. Yeah, you know, in in you know, there used to be this trichotomy uh, view of of humanity, and that was you know, like body, soul, spirit uh, is is one, um, or if you know at at 
least it was body, spirit slash soul uh, with this dichotomy. I think we've we've you know we've we've we're starting to move toward this understanding that um, it is there is no dichotomy that it is the totality of 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 the human that um, that is important and um, and and you know as you as you as you were talking as we were talking and when we were talking about what um, you know some of those misconceptions. I thought of this and then it went right out of my head. And then as you were talking again, it, it came right back. You know, one of the movements in hiring is this idea of you hire the right kind of person. You hire a person who has resilience, who can communicate, who has some of these soft skills, who can think a certain way, um, you mm-hmm. know, critical, analytical kind of skills. You can train them to do other things, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, and so one of those things is, is that emotional uh, understanding, that emotional uh, in, intelligence, uh, because, because what happens with some, someone who doesn't have it, who's, who's not uh, focused on, on both their own life and, and the, the social aspect of things, it can destroy a workplace. And uh, so that is, that is so important that uh, that we hire people who have that that particular skill, uh, and it's, it's it's so it's important as a leader to understand. It's important as a person looking for a position to have, uh, mm-hmm. and so um, I just want to tag that onto that. That to me, that is, uh, um, you know, employers are looking for that uh, these days, <clears throat> and particularly. <clears throat> almost think uh, it, it, you know it's it's amplified by the the individuality that we have culturally that that we're not as um we're not so much concerned about community as we are uh the individual and so everything is kind of hyper individualized and so if we can't have emotional intelligence um to understand the other person then then we could set off uh some some you know some major things within the workplace and so that's part of of all of that, that skill set. True. And great point also, because as people develop skills and then they continue to move up the ladder, which is a 2.0 concept, but still exists very much today. So as they move up the ladder, the more you move into leadership, the more emotional, intelligent competencies you need to have exactly to your point, because you have to understand how to recognize the human being and those persons on your team and in your organization, how to respond to them. And so if you are developing as a leader, but you are blowing off the importance of emotional intelligence, you will find yourself in a fairly frustrated situation because these skills are not, they're, they're just skills that are essential for leadership today. And that it's, yeah, it's just, it's interesting as you dig into them. And um, like we said, we're not going to peel apart the model completely today, but when you dig into each of these different areas, you will understand why, you know, just as an example, social responsibility is an interpersonal one, which has to do with, like we were just talking about Simon Sinek and the infinite game versus transaction. And when we don't have a certain level of social responsibility, we lack being other centered and whether it's that servant leader concept that really started to come out in the 3.0 era 
but we can't really see why other people matter. We're missing a heart to care. And if we don't have the heart to care, then we become shallow and selfish and we have an ego and people don't trust us and trust is eroded. And now you have a hard time. Nobody's following you because they don't trust you and they're not listening to you. And then you're like, why is that happening? Why aren't people listening to me? I'm highly competent. Sure, you're highly competent, but if you don't have social responsibility and this regard for the world around you and what's going on, you appear to lack heart, um, which is, which is a critical component to leading people right. and leading others. And especially with you know, a millennial culture and a, a Gen mm-hmm. Z culture that is highly um, engaged socially. Um, if, if you're dismissive of that, then they see you as someone who's simply about the money mm-hmm. uh, or who's simply about themselves or the organization. And that, that becomes a great turnoff. And, and so when you have arguably the largest generation in American history that is socially conscious and socially aware that that sees you in a negative light, then that impacts, that will ultimately impact your bottom line. Right. Uh, and so, uh, but, but they're after more than just a product. They're after uh, the, the impact that that product has uh, globally and not just regionally, but globally. And, mm-hmm. and they're, they're, they will be loyal to those people. I mean, to a fault in, in many ways. Uh, and so the impact of that social responsibility is huge. And that's, you know, again, another reason why it's, it, is, it is a critical skill for leaders, not just in the future, but, but today. Um, the, right. the impact of that is, is felt today uh, as much as is anything. What interesting to what you were talking about too, it begins to tap to things that we haven't always connected the dots with. Again, not that it's rocket science or we couldn't have connected the dots, but I think we are so focused over here on the 2.0 production and we're like, how to motivate, how do we motivate people to do things? You know, do we have M&M Friday or what do we do to motivate people? You know, do they need bonuses and raises? Should we do assessments for, you know, how people need to be motivated? And so we're so focused over here on this productive 2.0 mindset around motivation versus 3.0, we start to move more to intrinsic motivation. 4.0 is really capitalizing on intrinsic motivation. So even just with that small example of social responsibility. So if I feel the organization I'm working for has social responsibility, if I feel the person I'm working for has social responsibility in that they have a part to care for a bigger picture and what's going on, I am now intrinsically motivated to serve and to contribute and to give my best because I'm committed to a cause that feels like my work matters and makes a difference in the world. And so now you don't need to motivate me because I am motivated by a compelling cause of what we're up to jointly in the world. And so you don't need to be micromanaging me. You don't need to be, you know, on me because, you know, you're projecting negative millennial stereotypes on a person, whatever, that's ridiculous. If I am intrinsically motivated because we've tapped into social responsibility, that naturally happens. And so a lot of times emotional intelligence is actually answering some of these tactical, transactional 2.0 problems 
that we've been trying to solve, but we have been solving them in an external non-human way versus coming back and being like, okay, hold on. As human beings, what does motivate human beings? Oh, everybody wants to be loved. Everybody wants to be valued. Everybody wants to have a voice and they want to matter. And people do intrinsically want to have value, meaning purpose and significance and contribute to something. Okay, that's great. So how, how do we join forces? Not how do we capitalize on that? That right. would be 2.0. How do we join forces and be a current to lift people up? That is 4.0. But really, again, it all comes into emotional intelligence. Um, but yeah, yeah so many I, things with that. Yeah, you know, the, the whole um, motivation aspect um, is huge. It's, you know, there's, um, there was, um, there was this idea of, uh, there is this idea of, of governments and organizations nudging people to behavior. Uh, there's a whole science around nudging. Mm, um, yes. And, um, and, and essentially what we're, what, what this, for instance, the social responsibility or, or emotional intelligence is doing, um, and I'm just processing this. So I, I haven't thought it all the way through, but effectively it's, it's, it's nudging people toward productivity by, um, using things that they are that that people are intrinsically motivated by to get those results so let me unpack that for a minute for instance let's say um you are intrinsically motivated to that 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 helping others or serving others is is something that that is just who you are it's part of your life those kinds of things. The company you work for comes out with, um, we'll give you three days a year off to volunteer in the community. Mm -hmm. uh, in addition to your vacation, in addition to whatever, right? Well, that spurs loyalty because they're paying you to do something that you love to do. Mm -hmm. uh, work, work within a, a, a nonprofit, for instance, or um, uh, another thing, uh, adoption. There is a, uh, an intrinsic, uh, if you are looking to adopt and your company, you know, one of the, one of the company, you're, you're the company you work for, or maybe a company that you're looking at potentially joining offers you uh uh, adoption assistance up to X number of dollars, then, then you're going to go there and you're going to feel, feel good about working for that company. So they're mm -hmm. there. It's almost as if they're nudging you by, um, by providing you some of those things that you would uh, be intrinsically, uh, you would intrinsically want just regardless. Uh, does that make sense? Um, no, it does. I, th I think the key in that, that continues to press on the EI topic is that is where companies really 
we're starting to pay attention and notice that in the 3.0 era. Yes. So starting to pay attention to moving from vacation and sick days to this is your package of time off or whatever, so you can use it as you need it or paternity time or whatever. And right. to your point, as far as volunteering or learning and education, but the difference in 3.0 is it became almost like a, we tried to have the organization be the representative, be the representative for social responsibility. So the organization then provided it. But the difference is, is if I'm the president of the organization and my organization offers that, but you don't actually see that in me, hypocrite, yep. not authentic not genuine. I don't know where this is coming from. This feels manipulative and gamey because you are doing something that, I mean, while it's nice and all, it's disingenuous from who you are. So now I actually trust you less and my flags are way higher because I don't, it's inconsistent with who the leaders are. Or even if a, a president or a CEO implements something or a, at the leadership team implements it, but then those line leaders or whoever it is that is putting it into action is implementing it, but doesn't have the heart themselves. And they're just checking the box. If we're still operating in a 2.0 production kind of a manner, right. but I'm not actually heart centric, it doesn't really matter that the company is doing that. And so the shift or the evolution from three to four is three is exactly like you were saying that an organization would be providing those. And now remember, we're just getting into two, into 4.0. Right. So those things are still happening. There's plenty of companies that are still way over here in 2.0 that don't even do anything like that. But there's companies that have been doing that. And now we're shifting into 4.0, which is really, it becomes a measurement for this is really bad. This is at least you're trying, but you're not going to get credit because you're still not doing it. And 4.0 really comes back to where is your emotional intelligence? Right. And that as a leader, the bar for your emotional intelligence as a leader is even higher because in order for me to connect with people and understand them and lead them well, I have to first understand myself and lead myself well. And there's a really simple, there's an app called, um, I think it's Mood Meter, Mood Tracker. Uh, let's see here. Mood Meter is what it is. And you just check in with your mood and there's four little quadrants and then you're, you check in with your mood. And it's kind of like when I worked in counseling and we had the little, we had flashcards and we had the piece of paper that had all the little faces on it. Uh -huh. And you'd use it with kids to help them identify their feelings, because usually we kind of go to our core seven or our core four, I'm angry, sad, happy, or scared are your core four feelings, right? But we would expand it to this little, you know, 36 heads so you could identify more feelings. But if you even set yourself, just try it for a day, uh, try to do it four or five times. And then what you do is you notice your emotions or how you feel. And then you think about why, why am I feeling that way and what's causing me to feel that way? And then how do I act when I'm feeling that way? So for example, when I went into this course, um, I wasn't able to get into the Zoom room right away. 
And so I was 15 minutes late for the class before I was able to contact, I was doing the whole time, but the gal finally contacted the guy and then he let me into the course, but it was like 16 after and the class started at eight o'clock. And so I, I was frustrated and irritated and embarrassed because yeah. I was late and I really wasn't late. I just couldn't get in because he wasn't letting me in. And um, anyway, blah, blah, blah. It's not really about that. But what, what was interesting is in noticing that, and that was an exercise they actually had us do in this course, was this practice of noticing your feelings. Because the first step in emotional intelligence is we think that our activity and our decisions are not influenced by our mood and our, be and our behavior, but they are. So if you, it's kind of the whole mindfulness thing. When you're making a regular point to stop and check in with yourself and you just notice, am I running? I'm flustered. I'm, what, what's going on with me? And how do I act when I'm in that space? And we all know when we're frustrated, we don't make as good decisions and things like that. But just this practice of noticing, to me, it feels like another mindfulness practice where in mindfulness, you know, with Shirzad Shamin and positive intelligence or with David Rock or um, what's his name? Peter, the healthy mind platter. Um, oh yeah. Uh, he worked with David Rock. Yeah. I can't think of his name though. I want to say Segu, Sangue, uh, S-E-G-U-E or yeah. uh, I don't know, I'm slaughtering it. Okay. Anyhow, so with the healthy mind platter, but it's always this to come back to center. How are you coming back to center? Because in order to build your emotional intelligence, you have to first have the ability to recognize or be aware of where are you at and then to go from there. Absolutely. Well, I, we, are, we have. Oh my goodness, look what yeah. time it is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, so, uh, uh, how would some give us a quick summary? <laughs> what do you think? How would we That's... summarize uh, things today? I mean, we've just we've bounced around, not bounced around, but we've we've chatted a lot and in, in pretty in depth about a couple of things. How let's come up with a summary, um, or at <laughs> yeah. least something to kind of wrap it up. How about that? <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. Good. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess to me, the thing is, is what we, what we were going to talk about is how come emotional intelligence is misunderstood. So one thing is just uh, for our listeners thinking about where, where are my thoughts and feelings about emotional intelligence? And do I see it more in alignment with 2.0? And maybe even if you don't, it's important to recognize a lot of people do. There are a lot of people in the world who see emotional intelligence as a very fluffy uh, psychology bent on the world that doesn't really matter. And I have even had leaders in coaching who really hold that view where they just, they're checking the box. They don't see that as a necessity for leadership. And again, the more we move into 4.0, you will not be able to ignore these, these right. fundamental skills. And so number one is probably, how do you see emotional intelligence for yourself? And how do you see when people don't recognize emotional intelligence, how does that show up? How are they operating? What are they missing? Versus when you understand emotional intelligence, why does that matter? So just kind of first observing 
where emotional intelligence is in your life and how you see it around you and the people around you, because it is often misunderstood. It's blown off as emotional nonsense and it's really not. And then right. the second is your own emotional intelligence. And there are assessments that uh, the one, like you mentioned, that I just got certified in uh, taking that assessment. Um, you're welcome to contact me to take it um, is a great way. You could pick up the book, uh, e isn't it EI, Travis Broadberry's 2.0, Emotional Intelligence 2.0. It's a white so. cover with green text. That's a very simple assessment that you could use. But really starting to understand where's your emotional intelligence is really important. And sometimes people want to go, oh, I'm good. There's nothing to develop. If you have that answer, you are in a fixed mindset because someone in a growth mindset knows there is always something to develop and there is always a way to improve. So if you are having that answer, that would be a red flag that there's a little bit more fixed mindset going on because emotional intelligence is always looking to assess how I can improve. And the crazy thing is the world is constantly changing. So even if you got really good, like you were saying earlier about careers, you might've had just a wonderful amount of emotional intelligence and skill capacity for the job that you were doing. And then you get promoted into leadership. Now you need a different level of emotional intelligence in this leadership position because now you're in a leadership position. So now you need more empathy than you, need, you needed to have before. You need more social awareness and personal awareness than you needed before. So the skills change as the world changes, how we respond to it changes. So it's a never ending process of personal growth. So maybe just to take away is thinking about emotional intelligence and how does it intersect in your world and what do you know about it for yourself and what might be one area that you're aware of that, and if you try that journaling, that mood meter tracker, it's kind of interesting. And you might notice like I get frustrated a lot in the afternoon or I seem to get angry or I feel sad or I'm unmotivated or um, I am struggling. I get up and I don't feel excited about my day. Okay, that is emotional intelligence. Right. So whatever your moods are, are directly connected to something going on with emotional intelligence. So that's not just I'm sad because I lost my job and I'm not sure what to do. No, how we handle situations is our emotional intelligence. So just reflect on your emotions and start to think about how your emotions affect your activities. And then really going back to that statement, which I loved at the beginning of this is it's not about your intention. It's about how we show up and whether we are effectively communicating and connecting or not. Yeah, so one of the one of the things that uh, I like to think about um, is, you know, if uh, if I have those moments when I I don't feel good, I'm sick, I uh, have emotional stresses going on. There is something that is really important to me uh, that is that uh, other people don't care about. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if I can if I can take those things and kind of flip them so that I, I, the, the awareness I have about feeling bad or not feeling good or being sad or being frustrated or being stressed or, or having something very important that, that 
other people don't care about. I can flip that and go, how, um, uh, how is this person feeling today? Is there something this person really wants to do, but it, other people are dismissive of? If, if you can turn that awareness onto them, uh, then it, it kind of helps you um, appreciate or understand the necessity of that skill. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, and so I, I think that's something that we can raise, raise awareness of uh, even in our own life and, and help us to understand the necessity of it. So um, that would be kind of how I would wrap, wrap up the conversation. So um, yeah, anyway, cool. <laughs> well, all right. Well, um, so this has been a good conversation. Uh, we may have to revisit it. There's a lot, of, lot to unpack and a lot more uh, available to it. Uh, we need to put that down on a list or something so we don't forget it. Uh, right. <laughs> and, uh, and those we realize that of... we talk about things and then we, we don't write it down. Exactly. So, exactly. I guess so yeah, for our with... listeners, maybe you have questions about things that we talked about that you would have liked to hear more about. Maybe there are comments or suggestions or thoughts you have or ways that you've grown your emotional intelligence or become aware of it. Put those in the comments. You're This is a collaborative conversation, even though you're only hearing David and uh, my voice in the moment. We want to hear your voice in the comments. Absolutely. Listen, so have a great week and uh, All right. we look forward to, to joining you again next week. Okay. Sounds good. Have a good, Thanks. good week, everyone. Bye. Take care. Bye. We hope you've enjoyed this edition of the Innovative Leader Podcast with Christy Geiger and David Phillips. If you have questions, ideas, or thoughts to share, please do so in the comments. Help us raise the level of leadership and share with other leaders. We want to grow a community of leaders supporting one another. Follow us on YouTube or subscribe on the channel where you get your podcasts. To learn more, check out innovativeleader.co. Have a great week and lead well. It matters.